When the disciples marveled that the fig tree immediately withered, Jesus' response was, well, if you had faith and you don't doubt, then you can do things like this and much more. Actually, you can tell the mountain to go jump in a lake and it will. You can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you'll receive it. That's Matthew chapter 21. So so when Jesus cured um, the demonized little boy that his followers couldn't cure, he said that the problem was their unbelief. Um, He counseled them to pray and fast, seemingly not to win God's favor as though God were the problem, but rather to address the unbelief of their heart. The prayer and fasting was to line their hearts to more clearly see and savor what's real about God. So to be faithful to Jesus requires us learning how to follow him in even this area of the authority that he's placed into our faith declarations. We're meant to use our words to bring God's will into the situations we encounter in life. That much is clear to me. Uh, Jesus wasn't showing off. In other words, he was actually modeling and teaching the life he created for each of us to live. But after following Jesus these 23 years, I can tell you that it seems to me the majority of the church is not really taking this particular aspect of Jesus's life and teaching very seriously. And I have a few theories as to maybe why that is. Why are we not taking the power of life and death in the tongue as seriously as we should? I think one reason is that parts of the church that do take this teaching very seriously have actually left a sour taste in our mouths. I don't know if that's true for you, but it seems true for me. And I think the outcome is that as a result, we've pulled away from this teaching of Jesus. And that's really unfortunate. So think about that. Something Jesus lived and taught for us to live is being ignored by most of his own people because of some bad examples. And I don't think that most of us even realize that we're doing it. My friend Dennis says we're the world's best cherry pickers, selecting the ones we like and just ignoring the ones we don't. And you say, well, what bad examples? What bad PR have? What are you talking about? Well, I'll give you four examples of the kind of stuff that I think that parts of the church that do hold that we have authority in our mouth, uh, things they're doing that are causing us to be turned off. First, faith declarations. This is the first example. Faith declarations that just don't happen. So like once my wife was in severe pain, uh, she had a fever and was all sweaty and was just in incredible pain and, one, and some well-intended lady came to her and said, you're healed. Um, but she wasn't healed. She was actually in the worst pain. And later she had to have surgery to remove an abscess and it left a huge scar. Uh, when I took a sabbatical a few years ago, people came up to me and they were declaring all these things. They said that my sabbatical was going to be like a paradise with me and Jesus and that I was going to return in such a state of revival that the whole church was going to enter into revival and that we would all never be the same again. And it ended up seeming, in practice, my sabbatical ended up seeming more like a 40-day wilderness where I was tempted by the devil. And I did make it through, um, faith and pastoral calling intact, but I feel like I survived it by the sheer grace of God. And it left me doubting whether those well-intentioned friends were actually declaring what the Lord was saying, or if they maybe instead were just saying what they wanted. It ended up putting a lot of pressure on me to produce something out of the sabbatical and something, in fact, far better than what they had been receiving from me before the sabbatical. Uh, One person actually told me that I was going to 
be met by Jesus physically in my bedroom and he would we would have a conversation face to face physically mind you which did not end up happening and even when I said bad examples you probably thought of your own bad examples of things that left a bad taste in your mouth for the life of faith um, it's really important that we when we prophesy have accountability and follow-up because if we don't prophetic integrity suffers all prophetic words are meant to be tested against the word and also tested against the spirit and discernment but that's for a different chat anyway first example when it just doesn't happen second kinds of bad examples how about when faith is used to blame the sick person or the victim of calamity not cool because sometimes faith has been practiced in a way that leaves people who are receiving ministry feeling like it's somehow their fault that the bad thing has happened to them and if they just had more faith They either would already be healed or they would have never experienced it in the first place. One time, I brought my neighbor to church and he was receiving prayer. He happened to be experiencing vision loss in both eyes and someone exhorted him that he needed to lay hold of Jesus' garment and that his unbelief was essentially the reason he was not healed. And of course, my neighbor never came back to church after that. Uh, The same person told another young man at the altar that his carpal tunnel syndrome was a result of him skipping out his devotional times with Jesus. Not helpful. A third kind of bad example that I've seen that makes people pull away from the idea that we have authority in our mouth. Uh, When the declarations themselves seem more to serve self than God. And I think we've seen too much of the things like, I declare and I, I declare a jet airplane to help me support my ministry. Um, not cool. I think the same people who say that you can have what you say, if they really want to be winsome to me, maybe don't wear the expensive gold watches, live in huge mansions, and uh, continuously remind everyone that God will bless them or us to the extent that we financially support their ministry. Not cool. Not cool using faith to serve selfishness. A fourth kind of bad example is just plain worldliness. Uh, Using faith as a way of achieving worldly goals. Uh, Worldly goals like wealth, power, health, uh, attractiveness, popularity, basically winning. Uh, And I think kingdom values, does value healing, but yes, humility, love, meekness, kindness, sacrifice. And faith usually looks like the underdog that you don't, think we'll win, but does in the end because of God's incredible grace. Uh, But if you want to make this teaching of authority in our mouth attractive to me, well, then if you do happen to make millions of dollars, how about you reverse tithe like Rick and Kay Warren do, like they live on 90% and they tithe the 10. How about you live in a normal house, even though you're wealthy? How about you drive a normal car and you give uh, like they do to HIV victims in Africa? How about you dig wells and provide health care along with your message about Jesus? How about if you want me to really like find this teaching attractive, that you don't set a bad example, like maybe don't wear $3,000 suits and live in a mansion while other people are starving. Or if you're a CEO, how about you buck the trend of making, literally, I looked this up, 271 times the salary of the average worker who makes your products and who, by the way, is no less important than you are, no less in the image of God, and probably even no less intelligent or gifted, to be honest. And some people go, I know, Tim has a poverty spirit promise you I don't. I like nice things and I think it's fine for you to have nice things. In fact, I'm happy that you have them. But I'm I'm really just trying to say that the kingdom is more about what you give away than what you keep. 
And it wasn't me, it was actually Jesus who said that it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I'm not making this stuff up, I'm just the messenger. But my default as a human is that I'm greedy and selfish. And the last thing I need is to have faith used as uh, a means for me to grow that part of my heart even worse. And I definitely don't need faith twisted into something that I can use to serve my selfish aims. Instead, I need to become love. Okay, I need to become love. And one of the reasons I respect Bill Gates so much, and I'm glad that he's the billionaire and I'm not, is that I believe that he's far more trustworthy using those funds to help people than I necessarily would be. <laughs> Certainly, he's more creative and systematic in helping people, and I would probably be like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> put it in savings and live off the interest? I don't know, buy a guitar? You know, John Wesley put it real well. He said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I'm, I'm not saying money's evil. The love of money is evil, but let's not use faith Use faith to twist that thing. So those are some things I think have caused us to maybe skip over this cherry, but let's go all the way to the back, all the way back to the beginning. Um, my original point, which is that Jesus both lived and taught that we're supposed to use the power of life that is in our tongue to command the world to line up with God's intentions and, 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 he clearly taught that there was some kind of proportional impact that our level of faith has on outcomes. As many questions as both of those statements raise, the real question that I'm interested in is what are we going to do with that teaching? Are we going to let the bad examples that we've seen uh, push us away from that, or are we going to let the fact that it's him trying to teach us uh, draw us in a little deeper and maybe invite him to have his way more fully in us. So if if you feel what I'm saying, that yeah, we've kind of been tempted to throw this truth away, but you're like, but what is it supposed to look like? Then maybe just pray this with me. Um, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Teach me, Lord, teach me the power of my words to create worlds because I'm your child made in your image. Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to say what I hear you saying and teach me to see what you're doing and teach me to cooperate with your Holy Spirit in normal daily life, to speak life into what you want to bring life to. Expand my heart, God, to see you clearly. Open my heart that it can receive your living words and that they'll find good soil in which to grow in me and teach me how to be faithful in the little things and not to be overwhelmed by the greater things. Amen. So I want to end with these two stories. They're both a little bit unusual. So first story, there was this healing revivalist who used to hold these, these huge crusades with all kinds of people coming to Jesus and so many miracles. And he was in a terrible car crash. He had this uncanny ability to lay his hands on the sick and declare them to recover. And he had this incredible faith that it would happen and God honored it and he did it. So as he was laying there after this terrible car crash, he was dying and he knew it. And he told his son to take his hands and put them on his terribly injured wife. And as he was slipping into eternity, he prayed for his wife. And she was miraculously healed and recovered. It's a weird story, right? Second story. Robbie Dawkins was in the hospital with his mom while she was dying of cancer. And the family had, of course, prayed over her for healing over and over. And he had sensed that she was going home to heaven and had a conversation with his dad about that. And his dad just had the hardest time accepting it. 
Meanwhile, there was another woman in the hospital that had overheard their praying and their singing, and she asked for Robbie and the others to show the same kind of love and care and that she had, you know, she didn't have anyone like that to do that for her, so she asked them to do it for her. And so during that time of praying for this other woman and singing songs, Robbie sensed the Lord wanted to heal this woman, that the Lord was going to heal this woman, I should say. And he had a moment of intense grief and like distrust, like, what are you talking about, God? But he obeyed, and the woman was healed and recovered. And Robbie's mom died and went went to heaven. I think it's weird stories, right? Like, why would you pick these two stories? Well, I think both of these stories are really faithful at representing kind of what this stuff looks like in real life. Uh, we're meant to speak to the fig tree and have it wither. We're meant to speak to the mountain and have it move. move. We're meant to speak to the illness and have it go. We're meant to speak to the waves and have them still. We're meant to use the power of life and death that are in our tongues. It's a matter of faithfulness to Jesus. And there's also mystery. So much mystery and so much need for trust and so much need for surrender and so much need for a clear vision of God's character because faith doesn't put us in charge. It puts us in touch. Faith puts us in touch with God so that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So much mystery. Teach us, Father.